Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include transphobia, religion, and being misgendered. So hi everyone, my name is Gender Meowster, I use they, them pronouns, and I will let my guest introduce themselves. Hello! Hey! Hi everybody, my name is Carly, I use they, them pronouns, and I am a wedding officiant, and I'm super excited to talk about queer stuff and wedding stuff! Woo! It's so exciting. What's so fun is we both have a master's in theological studies, don't we? Yes. (laughs) That's so cool. Where did you get yours? From Duke, which I still live in Durham near near Duke. So I have good and bad things to say about Duke, but I won't get too (laughs) into that today. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I went to seminary across the country at... Pacific School of Religion, which is in Berkeley, California. Nice. Yeah, it was so queer. (laughs) Like, the incoming class was 50 people, and only two of those people were cis and het. Everyone else was some rainbow flavor. It was wonderful. It's like almost the exact opposite of the Duke experience. It's it's the opposite of almost every seminary I've ever heard of, which is why I'm like, I went to seminary, but it was a cool seminary. (laughs) There are definitely some cool people and people I still like and keep in touch with, but lots of issues as well. Yeah. And that any entity can be like that, right? Anyway, yes, it was a unique experience (laughs) to the Twitch chat. It was great. I discovered paganism while I was there and converted in the middle of seminary. But that's a story for another day, because today we're here to talk to Carly about Carly's life experiences and professional offerings. So Carly, you use they them pronouns. Obviously, you're some flavor of gender diverse. So if we were to look back at your youth, what are some signs maybe that you were going to be some sort of gender spicy one day? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I identify as non-binary, just queer generally in terms of sexuality and gender and trans masculine. And I think, yeah, there's just so many signs I've, I, and it's also, I'm glad we had the like disclaimer at the beginning that like everyone's experience is different. And it's like hard to, it's a little bit hard to talk about because I always feel like I have to caveat that like, that's not everyone's experience. And when I'm like, I didn't like feminine things and I'm like, feminine things don't really exist, but I've never wanted kids ever since I learned how babies were made. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like the most horrifying thing that could possibly happen to anyone. I was like, that is totally not for me. And I remember being pretty, pretty little, like maybe 10 or 11. And I learned what a hysterectomy was. And I was like, I'm going to do that someday. And my mom was like, how dare you? How dare you say such a terrible thing? And I was like, I hadn't hit puberty yet. So I was like, periods sound super terrible. And I can confirm they're super terrible and never wanted kids. So I was like, what's the point? But I remember my mom being really horrified. And I was like, I don't know. It just seems practical to me. And I grew up with a little brother. And in my little neighborhood, we had 
there was a, a neighbor who was a boy and then two sisters who are neighbors and we always just played together and I like doing guy stuff with the guys like playing video games and doing Legos and stuff but I also liked playing house and stuff with the girls though they would make me be the dad and I was like okay sure why not who cares it doesn't matter that's I can be a dad or a mom or a kid or a dog or like whatever you want it's, and yeah I just I always remember being comfortable with both of those things though perhaps slightly more comfortable with my brother and guy neighbor like doing the Pokemon and wrestling and video games and Legos and stuff. And my, my poor mother, she is, if gender is a spectrum, she is all the way on the pink girl, feminine cheerleading makeup dresses side of the spectrum. And she just wanted me to any of that stuff so bad. And I think that for a long time, that made me feel confused about my gender because I was like, I hate literally all of that stuff, but I knew there were women and, and girls in my life who didn't pink or makeup or girly things. And so I was like, do I just not these things that have been like tried to be forced on me? Like I remember my my mom trying to let me let me have her put makeup on me before I went to school. And I was like, no, stay away from me. And I remember like other girls in my middle school being like, my mom won't let me wear makeup. And I'm like, I literally have to fight my mom off. <laughs> I'm like, don't put makeup on my face. And yeah, just there's just so many things. I think if I had any concept of different gender identities, I think I would have figured it out very early because there's basically endless examples of just general gender dysphoria being made to wear things I didn't want to wear and like just the whole puberty thing was super traumatic and everyone was like oh this is like exciting and fun and you're becoming a woman and stuff and I was like everything about this is terrible and makes me feel terrible and yeah I don't know I don't I feel like I could ramble on about that for a while but that's at least some of the things and then I when I got to college and started and I grew up in a very conservative area and so just I'd never even heard of trans people I had no I had heard of gay people, didn't know any gay people, but I'd heard of them in a not flattering light. And I got to college and started reading a little bit more on the internet about different gender identities and things like that. And for, for a little while, I was like, when I first came across transgender, it really resonated with me, like the term and a thing, but I, I don't remember where I learned about it, but it only presented it as like a a binary option. Like you're either a trans man or you're a trans woman or you're a cis man or you're a cis woman. And those are all of, those are all of the gender options. And I was like, okay, of those four options, <laughs> I guess that I would pick being a trans man. And I like experienced, experimented with that with a very brief period of time, but I was just like, yeah, this is just, it's better. I was like, this is better. It's like moving in the right direction, but just wasn't quite the right thing. And I remember the first, very first time I read an article by a non-binary person about being non-binary, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. I got it now. All the angst, all the many angst of the years of gender stuff, I was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I got it. I got it now. And just, it's been pretty, pretty smooth sailing in terms of my own sense of direction about gender identity and like very slow coming out to other people. And even still now, the struggle of how much do I want to like fight or argue or educate this person about my gender identity. And yeah, I think 
that more than answered the question. Sorry, okay. I ramble a little bit. <laughs> You're doing great. So you started to answer the next question, which is how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? But oh, yes. I wonder if for the podcast only folks who can't see what your outfit looks like today, if you could describe like what your style is today, like as an yeah. adult person, like how sure. how do you present your gender? I actually, and I don't know, I don't know if you've seen these memes, but, or seen this meme, but going around at the beginning of the summer was in all my like queer discord groups and Facebook groups and stuff like that. Everyone was like hot trans mask summer just dropped at old navy and i was like i love all of those <laughs> shirts so i literally went to old navy and i was like wow look at these great selections of shirts and so this is a an old navy button down shirt with let's see, yellow orange pink flowers on it flowers have always been one of the only like stereotypically feminine things that I've liked because I and which I was thinking talking to someone the other day my grandpa is a gardener and like from my earliest some of my earliest memories are like of his rose gardens and stuff and so I didn't necessarily see that as like a feminine activity because mm -hmm. he was very passionate about his roses and now and he's continued to grow all sorts of things and so yeah, I like, I, I particularly enjoyed the kind of like tr trans mask dad vibe <laughs> shirts nice. that Old Navy had. I had got a variety, variety of sort of fun prints and more masculine cuts. It's, it can be hard. I like wearing suits and ties and stuff like that, but it is it's so hard to find something that fits my body in a gendered way that I enjoy. And yeah, things like that. And I know some dream someday would be to get like a custom tailored suit but i certainly cannot afford it for that at the moment but yeah yeah it's we gotta it's book fun. you some more weddings so you can afford it right suit. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would love that i do i have a suit that i like that i got from maybe i don't know the mall Nord nordstrom or something maybe like that but yeah, yeah custom, custom suit would be awesome <laughs> yeah before before i had my top surgery i basically almost exclusively had to shop at lane bryant because they had plus size things and all of the advertising is super femmes was really dysphoric for me. But then like mm. sometimes they would have sort of androgynous things that I could make masculine with like my energy. Accessories. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like the way I carried myself in it. And so like awesome. rocking that sweet butch look, but there's all kinds of wonderful clothing places now for yes. curvy bodied, folks who are more sort of mask or butch identified and being a sweet butch is a fun time <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> it's so good yep. i love that is there anything else you want to say about how your relationship to gender has evolved over time let's see i think one like this the minute that i read that article i was like this is me and i'm non-binary but i slowly started using they them pronouns with people but i was like it's okay if you use she her pronouns it's okay if it's too confusing and now i'm like it's not okay <laughs> figure it out i but that was yeah that's been a slow like a little bit of a transition from she they pronouns to just they them mm -hmm. pronouns and like i said so i people misgender me and i don't always put in a fight about it but yeah it's been fun just growing up and meet meeting more more trans folks and like pretty much all of my friends are queer non-binary now and I actually I struggle more with the he and she pronouns than they them pronouns because basically everyone I know uses they them pronouns and so when someone else oh you only use he or she that's a hard it's a hard one <laughs> so I reversed the <laughs> reversed the script but no I'm mostly joking but yeah it's just it's been really great to 
to just slowly come more into like my gender identity and being accepted and it just being increasingly less of an issue. I feel lucky living in the South, which is not great as a whole, but like in a more liberal area, which just generally pretty, pretty trans positive and being able to see a lot of openly trans people around where I live is at just any type of event and anything is always cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about weddings. So you officiate weddings. Are you ordained? Yes, I am ordained through the Universal Brotherhood Movement, which is an interfaith community. It's really great. I talked to them about their gendered language and maybe getting rid of it. And they said, we'll think about it. But they were like, it's a metaphorical brotherhood. It means everybody. And I was like, yeah. But, um, siblinghood. <laughs> yeah, right, such an easy switch. So maybe they'll do that someday. But like we said earlier, organizations are multi multifaceted, but it's overall a very good organization. And yeah, I like it a lot. And yeah. Hold on. I got to add Rev in front of both of our names because, you know, Rev is yeah. the true non-binary name producer, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually like, once I got ordained, I was like, yes, now I can like, because nobody uses, I, I like the MX pre- prefix as well, but it's never an option and nobody uses it. And so after I got ordained, I was like, yes, now I can use this and it'll be an option on most things. Love it. <laughs> I updated our scene. Even though the vast majority <laughs> of the weddings that I do are not religious in any way whatsoever. So I, I usually, I go back and forth between putting it in front of my name because I don't want to, I know, especially the queer community has a lot of- We worked hard collect- for those MTSs. Collective. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, right? multiple years of our life in <laughs> <Right>? school. Reading <laughs> really things. Was. And money. Writing <laughs> Lots things. Lots of money. <laughs> so much money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. is Was your ordination process do a thing on the internet or was it more involved? It was more involved. I It's been like five years now. So I'm like, what was exactly the steps? I had, I had to write, had to write some more. I had to write. It was not like, it was not overly complicated. I can't remember the exact specifications, but I had to write some different statements about like my morals and beliefs and ethics and why I wanted to be ordained and like what I wanted to do with my ordination and to, had to do like a background check and some other little steps like that, that I'm trying to remember if there was anything else. And I think just, but since it's interfaith, like they don't, they're not really looking for a specific like defense of a personal like religion, but just to, or a particular religion, excuse me, but just like what, what or why you believe the things you do and what you want to do with that ordination. So, yeah. And then I had a local person who is part of the organization ordained me in a little ceremony with a few of my friends and it was cute and nice and I had my little cross that I got from Duke Divinity when I graduated from there and then my Buddhist friend brought a Buddha to put on the altar for me which is nice and uh, yeah it was a good good time. So if you wouldn't mind defining it if you can it's hard but how would you define your sort of spiritual paradigm or paradigms and how do they how do they impact what you do yeah that's a tough one i really like religions and i enjoyed the like studying religion aspect of my master's theological studies i mostly focused on the old testament and hebrew bible and judaism which i really enjoyed i currently am a member of 
a super cool, very queer leftist Baptist church in the South, which is, it's really great. I love going there, but I'm not like, I think that all religions have really good things to say and really bad things to say. And all the people who are most of my friends are not at all religious. And so I don't often end up talking about religious stuff, but I certainly don't. I think people who are atheist or agnostic are often better people than religious people. Yeah, I don't know that I have a super coherent answer to that question, but I love anytime I have a client that has a new religious or spiritual or pagan practice of some kind that they want to incorporate in their wedding, I'm always really excited to learn about it and like what it means to them and how we can like best respect their beliefs and stuff. And so it's just, it's always been a subject that I've really enjoyed and I continue to enjoy it while also having some conflicting, conflicting feelings about like how terrible Christianity in the United States is in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so I got my undergrad degree in comparative religion because it's like yes. special interest, wanted to learn yeah. about all the things. Yeah. And then I went to <laughs> seminary after a year of volunteer work because I didn't know what else to do with my life. And, and yeah, during Christian seminary, I converted to paganism because I was looking at some of the things that you were just mentioning about, wow, the colonialism that's happening with Christianity as the weapon is so oppressive. Just like all the yeah. stuff I learned in Christian history was a lot. And I was like, if I look at the intersections of my theology and my practice and how embodied I want my spirituality to be and how liberal I want my theology to be, it was like challenging to find that in Christianity. It does exist. It sounds like you're, the church that you go to is one of those far and few between examples, but it's not common to find that really embodied spiritual practice with the more liberal leftist theology, but it is very common in paganism. <laughs> so here I am. But my mentor was this wonderful woman. I say was because she's passed through the veil since then. This wonderful woman who was both a pagan priestess and a, uh, Universal Church of Christ, like pastor, like who would preach on Sundays sometimes. And so I just love the intersectionality that my mentor lived. Like she, she would post on Facebook and educate the pagans about the Christian stuff and educate the Christians about the pagan stuff. And it was just like, that. her life was so beautiful. And I hope to be a, an embodiment of that type of intersectionality in my life too, because it's so yes. cool to see that mending and healing in the world instead of just the constant fighting nowhere. No, we other people are right stuff. So anyway, I love sorry. that. I actually, a member of my church is, is ordained through, through my church as Baptist and they're trans and non-binary as well. And they also, they're not, they're not like a, or, ordained pagan person, but they like very actively practice pagan practices and beliefs, which I think is super great. So yeah, it's, that's funny that you also know someone who does that thing. And I think, I feel like I've seen maybe a couple books passed by recently about Christianity and paganism. That's not an intersection I know a whole lot about other than yeah. I do also know, I also know someone who's very into both of those things. I know a witch camp that this year did Mary Magdalene as their like deity that they were working Ooh, with for witch camp. And I was like, I, cool. yes, I love you so much. <laughs> that's awesome. It's <laughs> so cool. People get in, up to such cool things. Anyways, intersectionality is interesting and fun. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, how did you get into officiating weddings? 
Yeah. Originally, when I went to go get my master's of theological studies, I really wanted to go on and pursue doctoral work in the area of Hebrew Bible Old Testament, which because it's just one of my favorite things. I think it's endlessly fascinating. And I always liked and did fairly well in school. And I was like, I like reading. I like writing. I like learning new things. But after (laughs) two years at Duke, I was like, I think I'm just done with academia, if not forever, then for a long time. And it was getting close to graduating and being like, oh gosh, now what am I going to do? And trying to figure that out after like my original plans got derailed. And I was just thinking, I was working with my therapist. Therapy is great. Everyone find a good therapist if you can afford one, which I know is another whole another issue, but in trying to figure out like what I liked and didn't like about previous jobs and what I might like to do. And I I pretty much hated every job that I worked at previously. I found working for nonprofits super depressing because I was like, we're doing a good thing on this small scale, but like everything at a national level is so messed up that it feels pointless. It feels like you're just, it's so, it's such a small thing in the face of the just national inequality and problems that I didn't like working for nonprofits because while they're all great and I think they do great things, it just, it was dragging on me personally because I just was seeing the, there's only, there's always a limit of what nonprofits can do because they're not able to like change the actual like structure of our country. And then I hated working for for for-profit businesses as well. I hated the capitalism. I hated the kill yourself for your job thing. Mm. And I started my own pet sitting business while I was in divinity school. And I loved that. And I probably would still be doing that, except that It gets so hot in North Carolina in the summer that I was like, I can't keep walking dogs when it's a hundred degrees with a hundred percent humidity every day. Like it just is too, it was too brutal. I was like, my body can't take this. And I knew I really liked being self-employed. And so I was like, is there, so let's, I was like, okay, so I want to be self-employed. What in the world? And, And I'm like, I, ideally it would be nice to use this very expensive time-consuming, work-consuming degree that I just got in at least a tan- like tangible way. But I knew, I was like, I knew I had no interest in being like a traditional church pastor of any mm-hmm. kind. And I know a lot of my friends do like hospital chaplaincy type work, which is, I think they do really great work there, but that was also not a thing for me. And I was just thinking, oh, and then I, my brother, my little brother got married and I love him. I love his wife. The wedding was super lovely. It was just, I was like, I loved seeing the love between them. And it was like, oh, oh, I love my brother's family and then like friends and just the, all the good, positive vibes and energy that were there. And I was like, huh, I wonder like what, what getting married is like in North Carolina <laughs> and it's just not, I didn't know, I don't know too many people who are married and I just Googled wedding officiants in North Carolina and most of the wedding officiants that I saw were like really old white <laughs> men <laughs> and which, and I know some of them now and some of them are great, but just looking at as a general like overview of, of what's going on in, in, 
this area. I was like reading all their websites and stuff. I mentioned I'm in a pretty liberal area. So most of their websites said that they were LGBT inclusive, but it was like all the images, all the language was written as like bride and groom and assuming that. And then there would be like one little line at the end that was like, oh, we'll also marry LGBT couples. And so I was like, I would love to reverse that and have the main focus of my business. Like, I was like, I wonder if I could create my own wedding officiant business and have the main focus being serving queer and trans clients and then have a, and I'll also marry straight people. I'll also marry cishet people at the bottom. Like I was like, I'd love to flip that because it just, <laughs> as a queer person, like reading their websites, I was just like, this just does not seem like somebody that I would want to marry me. Like, I don't think they could relate to me or my friends or who I am. And I'm single now, but if I was wanting to marry someone, I I was just like, I just can't imagine. Yeah. Just trying to do that. And also I really love like fantasy, sci-fi cosplay, like stuff like that. And I was like, I, there, there is an officiant about an hour and a half away from here that does a lot of geeky, nerdy kind of cosplay dress up weddings, but they were the only one that I saw that was like really into that. And so I was like, like, how many interests can I combine in this? And I was just like, I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty like stereotypical millennial. That's like very queer. And my dog is my child and I like nerdy (laughs) stuff. And so I was like, that's, I want to marry people like that because I don't see anybody that's like catering to this market specifically. And yeah, I just figured I would give it a try. And I made my own website, which was such a hassle. The, the current website I have was made by a friend of mine who's a programmer and it is much better than the <laughs> website that I, oh my gosh, it took me so long to, to <laughs> just struggle with WordPress and like WordPress is supposed to make it easy. And it was just like, oh my gosh, it was such a, I'm just not super computer savvy, but yeah, I just, I made a website and I kept reaching out to local queer communities and LGBT centers and stuff like that and just letting them know what I was doing. And it's been, it was a little bit of a slow start, but I eventually started, started marrying folks and now I do it all the time. And it's, that's really so great. Cool. I <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah. I love that story. I have the part where you're like, well, my friends are chaplains, but I don't know about that. I wish there were more positions for chaplains besides hospitals or the military. Yeah. Yeah. Or like search and rescue. Those are the options that I've ever heard of. Yeah. And all of those jobs require you to be ordained. And what kind of ordination is not legally recognized in the United States? Anything that isn't Christian. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) This is really specific. Yeah. That's how I ended up streaming on Twitch instead, because I couldn't figure out how to be a chaplain as a (laughs) pagan, even with a degree. (laughs) It's a whole thing. So anyway, yeah, it's and I hear you on like systemic oppression is oppressive and kills your soul yeah just and just trying to fight it at like local nonprofit levels is just it's so important and i really value people who do that but just for me personally my own psyche just do you think you'll ever be like wedding officiant slash state senator that That seems super unlikely (laughs) oh my gosh no yeah i i don't know i don't i'm not sure that would go i'm not sure that would go over super well that's hilarious Um, so have you ever taken your dog 
to the weddings and had your dog on a leash while you officiate a wedding. I'm just, you mentioned the dog. So I'm like, okay, but tell me more about the dog. So I have not, but next month I am. This couple reached out to me and it's a gay wedding. And they asked if I could bring Luna, my little toy poodle. She's super sweet and she loves everyone. She's going to be so stoked. It's going to be like a pretty small, low key type of wedding. So cute. So I don't know how, I'm a little bit nervous about her being like distracting during the ceremony, but it's, it's, that's always a risk. I've done a bunch of weddings where people have had their dogs be like the flower dog or ring bear. They're just always so cute. And I just, yeah, I do. People sometimes are like, is it okay if our dog is in the wedding? Please. It would not be okay if your dog was not in the wedding. I generally find they're better behaved than children. (laughs) They're a little more, they, they usually are like a little more predictable than children. If you're trying to get children to do like real small children to do something in a wedding. And yeah, I think a lot of people see like Luna used to be on my website. I need to, I don't think she's on my updated website. I might need to, I might need to mention that or throw a picture of her for her up there. But I was like, I've posted her on Instagram a couple of times, but it's probably a long scroll back. But yeah, I love people. And like, even I, I did one, I, one day I did weddings back to back and they couldn't, not everyone's dog likes crowds or people or is a lot going on. And so the first wedding that I did, they had these little like monogrammed cocktail napkins and they had the little dogs like head on it and it said I do too and I was like oh it's so cute and then I went to the next wedding and they had a life-size realistic photo cardboard cutout of their dog like sitting in the chairs and I thought it was their actual dog for a second and then I was like oh wait it's a cardboard cutout but yeah I'm very dog except grew up with dogs love my dog love other people's dogs love dogs and weddings yeah I love that so much I know it's a surprise question. Senators and dogs. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about dogs. Senators, I'm like, that sounds awful. (laughs) Politics. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I think I'm too far left for the Democrat Party. And so that doesn't really leave me a lot of options. So I hear you. But maybe someday, you never know. You never know. So I never would does... have anticipated that I would be doing weddings because it's just such a random thing. But yeah, yeah. go ahead. And how does your queer and non-binary identities impact your work as a wedding efficient? So you already mentioned making your website more queer focused, but how else does it impact your work? Yeah, I definitely am. I'm always very intentional with my language and, and just talk about the people that I marry instead of just like the bride and groom, because that's I do marry a lot of folks that don't have a bride or groom. And I think it's it's just it's super lovely to to be able to marry other queer and trans folks and know that they don't like and they reach out to me because they know that they don't have to explain their identity and it's not going to be confusing and I'm going to use the right pronouns for people and the ceremonies and stuff and I'm able to very easily navigate the sort of so I when I meet people they give me their pronouns and I always ask is the are these the pronouns you want in the ceremony or are you just are you telling me like for our conversation or do you want to use different ones in your ceremony because sometimes people aren't out to everybody that they know. And it's just, it's really easy for me to just use their correct pronouns while we're planning and stuff. And so I can respect their identity all throughout that process. And then just, you you know, use the pronouns that they feel like they have to for 
grandma or whatever, even though I, I've had several folks who were like on the fence about using they, them pronouns. And I was like, honestly, I feel like the old people don't even notice when I end up doing it in ceremonies. I've never had anybody say anything to me about it. And so I try to encourage folks, but ultimately I will respect. I always say, are these the pronouns we're just using privately, publicly, like what, what degree of that? And then just not making assumptions about what people are going to be wearing because I just hear it all the time. That's, and I think that this isn't part of the question, but I feel like it even helps with cisgender heterosexual folks that I marry who are more non-traditional or out of the norm that like maybe the bride doesn't want to wear a dress. And I'm, I'm not assuming that any one is wearing any type of certain dress or not a dress or suit or and I've seen lots of awesome pantsuits for straight and queer brides that are wearing and it just I think it helps it pretty much every step of the way of not not assuming things I've learned for some reason queer couples in particular seem averse to exchanging rings this is just a trend that I have noticed <laughs> I'm not speaking as a it's not a it's not a global statement of LGBT uh, stuff but I've had so many queer couples say rings just aren't for us we don't like rings and we're not gonna do it and that's something I ask people now because I don't assume that people wear rings anymore because it just seems, I don't know, just some folks want, I've done some of the more, some of the most traditional services that I've done have been for LGBT couples who are a little bit older and just didn't have a religious or faith community that they were connected to for various reasons, but it was important to them like personally and like we did pretty much all the traditional thing, uh, ring exchange, veil, first, all these things, but but just two brides instead or two grooms uh, because, which was also surprising to me. But yeah, I think I've rambled past the question. No, again, I, was, bit, but... I was laughing because the ring that I wear, my wedding ring, is a ring that I got to give to my last girlfriend and she refused okay. me and I couldn't get the people that I bought the ring from to take it back or they tried to sell it for over a year and it never worked out. So I was just like, I'm moving, I'm gonna forget about this forever if I don't go reclaim this thing that is technically mine. So I went and got it, and now it's my wedding ring for me, but it looks super feminine, which is funny because I'm non-binary, transmasculine on T. Yeah. And so my voice <laughs> is dropping and I'm growing beard hair and I've got this like wiggly infinity ring thing going on oh, that's nice. got <laughs> sapphires in it or whatever. And then my wife, who's this, I'd say she's like a butch lesbian, like, she's a trans woman. She's a butch lesbian trans woman. Doesn't do the high femme, but is still woman identified. Yeah. Uh, she d wants nothing to do with rings. She's not into it. She doesn't. It's a sensory yeah. thing. She doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's, yeah. It's I just, think it, it's so I gay. Think it's I've a got, queer I basically thing got my ex-girlfriend's like... ring on my hand. <laughs> my wife doesn't have a ring. It's, it's that's so funny. funny. Yeah. In my experience, that's a pretty <laughs> queer thing. In which, again, that's obviously some queer couples exchange uh, rings but it's, i've been surprised <laughs> at the amounts that are just like nah <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> so. so funny i wonder yeah. if some of it has to do with money or if it truly is just eh, it's not important to us yeah i've definitely had people bring up money before and i always mention i know for, like for i've done styled shoots and stuff and you can buy wedding rings for 15 bucks at target they're not nice wedding rings but like you can see if that is something that's important to you and i also have a lot of people who this is like where i live is a medical a big medical area and so a lot of 
like surgeons or doctors can't have metal rings. And so they'll buy like a silicone band from Amazon and it's all, mm-hmm. they're also pretty inexpensive. So I usually like to offer people those options and then they're like, eh, nah. and that's fun. Also I have, I do have people who use more non-traditional wedding rings, but just like, I'm like, it can literally, it doesn't have to be any particular color or stone. It doesn't have to be real. You can, can get whatever you want. But I think when I bring that up to people, then ultimately they're just kind of, oh, just rings aren't just, aren't that important to us. So yeah, like maybe we'll get them later or, but yeah, weddings can be very expensive and like costs can add up and stuff. And so I think probably for some folks, it's a, we've already spent so much money on this and rings just aren't that lower priority. But yeah, I think some folks are just, they're already like queer and they're just like, we're just going to be as non-traditional as we want. And that includes, we don't like rings, so we're not going to do it, but yeah. they, but making their own traditions and customs that are important to them, or maybe the, maybe their vows are the, what's most important to them. And so that's going to write those and have them in a nice book and then, or do a lot of hand fasting for queer and straight folks. And then they can have that as a symbol or reminder afterwards and just don't like rings. And so, so a few people I've heard are going to get tattoos, mm-hmm. like matching tattoos or something like that, either ring tattoos or just some other random matching tattoo yeah um yeah (laughs) i love that oh there was something you were saying a minute ago that i wanted to ask about but i've now already forgotten so i'll ask this other question i wrote instead which is do you have some words that you use for wedding party members that are non-binary like instead of groom and bride and like best man best woman or whatever those what are your non-binary versions of those words yeah, I've definitely, ha- I've had a couple of brooms, which is like bride and groom mixed together. Broom is already another word for a thing that you sweep with, but I- I've heard people use that in my actual weddings and it's fun. It rolls up, like if you're like the bride and broom, <laughs> except that one time I thought the wedding planner was misgendering one of my clients and I got upset and then I was like, oh wait, she said broom, not groom. Yeah. I usually in, in my ceremonies, I'll usually use like spouse as a gender neutral, like instead of, do you take this person to be your husband slash wife? I'll say, do you take this person to be your spouse? Cause that's fairly gender neutral. And then I usually, I give people the option of pronouncing them as like married partners or partners in marriage or part, something like that. That's more gender neutral. I always try to say wedding party instead of bridal party. Cause it's weird. <laughs> So, so much of the wedding culture is so weird because they're like talking about the bridal party for a straight couple where there's also a groom and groomsmen. And it's just like the grooms often get left out or acted like they like don't exist or not involved. And it's just so weird (laughs) to me. Um, And so, yeah, I always try to say like wedding party and just like best person I've heard used as instead of maid of honor, man of honor, like also had like man, the man of honor, if it's for a bride or because I don't like, I have mixed gender, very gendered wedding parties all the time. So like, I think ultimately it's a good idea to just respect whatever everybody wants to be called. You can definitely be creative with it. And yeah, just as a whole barriers is a good, I hear people use like for the people getting married, if you're like, both regardless of gender it's fairly accurate trying to think of some more i know there are some more but i forget what i already said and what yeah i'll give you i'll give you one more to tuck in your hat and use later i coined a word a while ago because my wife and i were getting married and we were like she's wife but then what am i and and so we came up with infinite 
Ooh, that's nice. my like spouse word. That's like maybe uh-huh. sweeter than the word spouse because spouse yeah, right. kind of sounds technical or something you'd yeah. write on a document. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so infinite is the word that we use for me. So I'm not. Nice. I'm not husband. Sometimes I'm husband because that's cute and fun. But <laughs> but but infinite is the word that we came up with, which also I goes with that. my infinity ring thing I've got on. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I yeah. totally, I totally respect whatever anybody wants to be called. Or if I just have some folks who are like, none of the above. And I'm like, mm-hmm. great, that's, that works too. Whatever. They're like, just use my name. That's enough. That works. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Have you ever had wedding parties that like the people combined make like a pride flag color wise? Like, a rainbow or a trans pride, I or but a I love that pride. idea. I want somebody to do that now. I'm like, no, I haven't. Pretty much always, people are wearing the same color. That's mm-hmm. just the standard, or they're wearing whatever. They usually people like people who really want to be like organized and a little more traditional. Give everyone either identical outfits or at least everybody has the same color or people who are more relaxed are like just wear whatever you like and whatever makes you feel good so I haven't I love that idea though I might pitch that as a styled shoot sometime on some of my local wedding groups I think that would be really fun I think Uh, it'd be super fun (laughs) yeah I'm sure that somebody somewhere has done it I just personally have not had a wedding to do I'm trying to think and I'm like I think I may have seen on Instagram at some point folks in in red and then orange and yellow like the rainbow dresses as wedding party but I'd have to not 100% sure about that (laughs) imagine a completely like trans and non-binary wedding party that like one side was the trans flag and the other side is the non-binary flag (laughs) that'd be so awesome oh my gosh love that i had my wedding to do over there you go (laughs) (laughs) vow renewal in 10 or 20 years we have a question in the chat how do you know how many weddings you've officiated it is i hit 100 weddings earlier this year which is very exciting and since then i think i'm almost to 120 i can't remember what i counted up every so every so often and it's been it's over it's between 115 and 120 somewhere in there and then I have a wedding this week and next week so I'll probably I'm getting close to 120 so it's fun. It sounds like it's about every other weekend approximately yeah so like the first year that I did weddings I said set up the website and was trying to network and get first wedding so I, I think I only did four weddings that year and was just doing other stuff and I can't I think I was maybe still in school and doing the pet sitting stuff so yeah, but it's definitely picking up. It's exciting. I love that. <laughs> you just get to watch people be in love constantly as you're. Yes, I great. love it. <laughs> yeah, and it's and I feel like to me, I just I really love love and not just the like I said at my brother's wedding, like not just the romantic love of the couple, but all the friends and the families and the dogs if the dogs are there. It's just so much love and it just that's so great. And I just love celebrate like I love the moment or the event of a wedding because it gets everybody together because of it's obviously because they're there because of the couple's love, but like also all the love in between the family and friends. And yeah, so that's so great. You fished the wrong button for a second. What are some of your favorite queer and trans weddings that you've officiated? Yes. So all of them are great. All of my weddings are great. I truly, I truly have enjoyed every single wedding that I have done has been 
just full of love and what is better than that? But I, the very first wedding that I did with a trans person was super special to me. And it was maybe like the 12th wedding that I'd done. So I, I was talking to them. I was really excited about working with them. They were so sweet. And I always get more emotional at trans wedding. Like it's very easy for me not to cry most of the time during weddings, but like in particular trans and non-binary love just, oh, it gets me a little bit choked up sometimes, especially when people are like saying their vows and like their vows were so sweet. And I was just like, look at this like huge crowd of people that's here to support and love them. Even despite the struggles that being a queer person can sometimes bring in terms of family and friends, like the, they still had a huge crowd of folks supporting them and were really sweet. And they have actually, I, so I, I do, I like all of my couples, but I very rarely speak to them after the wedding, which is not a personal, like, Thing. It's just, I couldn't possibly like to, having done almost 120 weddings is 240 people. It's like, I couldn't possibly keep up with all of those people. But this particular, the first couple that I married with a trans partner has kept in touch with me and I've stayed friends with them and we've developed a really great friendship now. And now they're both trans, which is so exciting. <laughs> just one of them, just one of them was when I married them and now they both are. And I'm like, this is so excellent. And so that's been really special and, and watching them. They've gotten to watch like my business grow and cheer me along and stuff, which is super great. And uh, then the most recent trans wedding that I did was also super great. They're all super great. I'll just say that a lot because <laughs> it's true. But I married Max and Chris, who are both like, I think they, I think at least one of them does trans advocacy work, if not both of them, but they're just like very out, very proud. I, they had a small little backyard elopement. They made their like garden arbor into a trans flag ribbon arbor. And oh gosh, it was just so great. It was a pretty small group, but like every person that arrived introduced themselves with their names and their pronouns. And I was like, this is so excellent. And yeah, that was super special. And they had rainbow flag umbrellas that they gifted everyone as like their party or not party favor, wedding favors. Mm. And they even had one for me, which people sometimes forget to include me in wedding things. So it's always exciting when I get included in something. And so like, I still have their rainbow umbrella from their wedding. That was earlier this year. I think I'm, time, time is wild. So I'm like pretty sure that was earlier this year. But yeah, it's just, it's always nice when I can be fully my authentic self in addition to celebrating my couples and such, because yeah, it can be tough trying to figure out because like, I, I'm not, I'm obviously not going to get like argue with the cishet couples, like grandma about using my correct pronouns or whatever, because it's just not worth that. So it's, it's always really lovely to be in a place where people are either introducing themselves to their pronouns or have them on buttons and stuff and are yeah. like obviously going to be respected. And, and yeah, I just, I feel like there's like just a little bit of extra like love and community because of like groups of trans folks getting together. One of my favorite weddings that I ever went to, my two friends were getting married and they're polyamorous and one of them at least is trans. And you showed up and there were these like ribbons on the table and the ribbons were associated with pronouns. So you'd pick the nice. color that went with your pronouns. And the expectation was that everyone who showed up at the wedding would wear 
a pronoun ribbon to kind of show who they were. And they had, there was like a labyrinth at the front. And so at one point, I think the bride walked the labyrinth and, and there was like this indigenous, like smudging thing that happened and a pagan circle was cast and it was just so witchy and queer and trans and polyamorous and great. (laughs) I loved it. And then I DJed part of the dance party. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. It was so great. And it was just like at someone's house in their big yard because they have a bit of land where they live. Yeah, it's really beautiful, especially I feel like when trans people design their own rituals. It's so good. Yeah, I've definitely done a few like slightly witchy hand fasting type things for trans couples as well. I'm just I'm remembering another wedding I did. I don't I like, oh gosh, I can't remember exactly if they identified as trans or gender queer something queer definitely queer of some variety but and they just had a little ceremony with them and their dog they had two little dogs and they were each holding a little dog leash with their dog and was in a little local park and it started snowing and it only snowed for the ceremony and then it stopped snowing and I was like this is so magical and they were like this is exactly what we wanted to happen and there was no snow in the forecast and it hardly ever snows in North Carolina. It's not a super common, not a super common occurrence, but it just lightly snowed just for the ceremony. Oh my gosh. It's so great. So many great. I love so that great so days. much. I got married on the last sunny day of the year. It was October and it, the sun was only out for the two hours that we had our ritual in this big grove at this nice. like, park in the uh-huh. city nearby. And then literally every day after that, for the rest of the year, it rained or snowed. It was just like the last little slice of sunny goodness oh, was just for so our magical. little ceremony. Yeah. yeah. It was a weird I also did a night. I did a, a nighttime hand fasting during a full moon. I think that was a little bit. Of, it was like the last full moon of the year or something like that in November, if I remember Perfect. correctly. That. There was some transness involved in that as well, which was exciting. Of course. Yeah. How could you not? <laughs> also dog. Also dogs, I think. <laughs> Pretty sure. At least one dog. <laughs> some of them blur together just a little bit. If I look back at like the couple's names and stuff, I can like remember details better. But when I'm just trying to think about all 117 <laughs> that I've done, I'm like, wait, what's that them? <laughs> Did they have a dog? I think they had a dog. If anyone's interested for later, I just put my mine and capybara's wedding in the twitch chat and i'll put it in the show notes too if people want to watch it later it was just half an hour it was super short but we have one of those rainbow umbrellas like you mentioned at the wedding that you went oh nice i also think it was i thought it was interesting that you mentioned one of that like couple number 12 or whatever after they got married like the other one came out as trans 10 days after like our wedding was official. The paperwork was signed. We were officially married. I told my wife I wanted to start testosterone. Hooray! <laughs> 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 there's something about the safety and security that being married gives yeah. me, at least. That yeah. There was something in my psyche that was not letting me access that desire Aww. until I was more secure in my relationship. It just like was not an option. Yeah. And I don't know, about four days after the paperwork closed on our household that we now own together, I started having all these gay dreams. And I told my wife, I think I might be some percentage of a gay man. 
And so that was a whole thing we have had to figure out. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, we're polyamorous now. It's fine. Nice. <laughs> but like our love and our commitment to each other hasn't changed at all. Sure. Like through yeah. all of these evolutions yeah. and life changes, Aww. it's just grown deeper. So it's, I don't know. I feel like trans and queer people need to talk about this sort of thing because, you know, stuff yeah. happens. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think... <clears throat> other couple is pretty good because they, they were both identifying as like very queer tm like before before the transition so yeah. when one of one of the others was like i think i'm also trans so it was like great more more queerness and one of the things i don't hear people talk about very much is how hrt can actually change your sexual orientation i don't know if you knew that but that's like a whole thing <laughs> i did my 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 ex-girlfriend who was not my girlfriend when we started dating started hrt and was no longer attracted towards mask type people mm -hmm. which included me so that was a bummer mm -hmm. but uh, we're better friends now than when we were dating so it's all good it's all good but yeah i was like i have first first-hand experience with that yeah, yeah. it's a time <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe I'll find out for myself someday. Not on any sort of HRT. It's always a, maybe I'll do that someday, but it's not a pressing desire for me personally yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, there's always microdosing, just the gel. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Yeah, for we'll me see. at least, like my brain was able to tell me if tea was going to work or not long before any lasting physical changes happened. Even just with a little yeah. bitty dose of tea. It was really, like I've heard that. really helpful. I feel like I've heard that from other folks, even like starting estrogen, just like they, I've only been taking it like three days. So like, obviously there aren't any like changes yet, but it feels like the right thing to do. So yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about it on this channel before, but I'm a firm believer that your gender identity and your gender presentation can be different. Like yes. for <laughs> me, I identify non-binary in my head, but I'm still allowed to customize my meat suit. And so <laughs> if I want a beard and no boobs, yeah. let's go. <laughs> let's do I it. I definitely, definitely <laughs> want no boobs. We'll see about the beard someday. The filters, the internet filters are fun, at least for now. They're so fun. <laughs> As someone who got to garden shirtless for the first time this year, I will say nice. 10 out of 10 would eat the yes. boobs again. <laughs> yes. Someday. It's a very, it's a very good adventure. <laughs> Do you have any advice for queer and trans folks planning a wedding? Yeah, I think definitely hiring vendors who are supportive and can actually know who you are. And sometimes that can be tricky depending on the area that you're in. I think equallywed.com, which I guess will be, we'll have resources later, is a great website. They have a vendor search function. You can search for vendors to hire who are inclusive. They have articles about non-traditional. What if I don't like to figure out like different ways you can walk down the aisle if you don't want to do a traditional like father giving daughter away, which even my cishet couples very rarely want to do that. So they have the Equally Wed has a lot of good resources about like just the wedding planning part of that. Dash of Pride is a good resource. They have a lot of just accessories like cufflinks and different like wedding invitations and stuff with any of the pride flags that you want. They're very queer, trans, inclusive. And I know the owner of Dash of Pride, I actually know the owner of Equally Wed as well. And they're all lovely people. And yeah, Dash of Pride has a few articles, but it's mostly like resources for the actual like things you need to buy for weddings, either stationary invitations, tie 
ties, different types of stuff like that. Offbeatbride.com is great generally. They also have a specific section on polyamory, but overall they're great. And they are, I believe, planning to change their name. I think I saw an announcement about that fairly recently that they're planning to change to like offbeat weddings or something. Cause they're like, we cater to everybody. Like they, they started out like offbeat bride as their thing, however many years ago that they started. And then they were like, that's really excluding everyone who doesn't identify as a bride. So like, I think they're in the process of rebranding, but they definitely have stuff for brides, grooms, others in, in anybody getting anybody looking to get married. it ha- They have a vendor search function as well. And also just good, lots of examples of different like pagan Christian combo wedding or like whatever. I'm positive they have at least one of those somewhere on their site, just different examples and ideas help you brainstorm. Yeah. It's there's like a offbeat wed. Is there oh, name? is that what they're sh- shifting mm-hmm. to? I, yeah. I thought they were, I couldn't quite remember what it was, but I knew they were shifting. I did a little research help. <laughs> I did a little assist. <laughs> Thanks. What? Yeah, I was like, I, I know they were going to change to something. I just couldn't remember what it was exactly. Those are some great resources. I just like very briefly looked at like some thumbnails as you were talking about each one. And I love the pictures they've picked for their websites and stuff. Yeah. It's so like I said, I, I don't personally know the owner of Offbeat Bride, but I do personally know the owners of Equally Wed and Dash of Pride. And they're both really great folks. And Offbeat Bride, I've been using to help me write my ceremonies for as long as I've been doing this. So I definitely, they, I've pretty much only seen good things from them. And yeah, when I, they said they were going to rebrand, I was like, even better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the brotherhood, except they listen. (laughs) Yeah. They're a little more, yeah. (laughs) A little more progressive. (laughs) So fun. One of the things I saw very briefly on to soon be called offbeat was something about non-possessive ceremony and then also queer burlesque wedding ceremony. And I was like, yeah, I saw, I read both of those articles. I'm just trying to imagine grandma at queer burlesque wedding though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know if grandma went to that one, but maybe she did. You, you don't know. <laughs> grandma might have liked grandma might have liked that, but it could have been the after part the reception, late night reception yeah. after grandma went home. I can't I can't remember. I think grandma I can surprise that. you, yeah. says the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grandma was the burlesque uh, dancer. Oh <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I just so even fun. before I read that like non-possessive article, I've that's always been a I always try to write my ceremonies inherently non-possessive because I just think it's creepy otherwise. If people want to use possessive language for each other and they're both good with that, it's fine. But like my personal style of writing ceremonies does not include that. And very often, like when I'm like just meeting people for the first time and talking about their ceremony and I'm like, is there anything in particular you like want or don't want or have you thought about the ceremony much? Oftentimes the only thing that people say is like the the bride in a uh, in a straight couple will be like you're not gonna say that I'm gonna obey and respect or whatever and I was like okay yeah we're yeah I don't do that anyway so we're good (laughs) we're good on the again unless both parties want to say that to each other and it's equal and it's great that's fine but yeah it's definitely not a I've seen weird like I like do a lot of research when writing weddings and stuff. And I've definitely seen some weird one-sided vow, like not even religious vows, just like 
weirdly one-sided where it's like the bride's promising to be faithful but not the groom and i'm like what is up uh-huh. with that that's weird the patriarchy <laughs> wrote this one. right yeah yeah so i'm like yeah we don't we don't do any none of the like <laughs> honor and obey like stuff yeah yeah i love your pre- attention to detail on all of that stuff it's important to be yes. mindful of that yes And I always, couples always get to see their ceremony ahead of time. So any tweaks whatsoever they want to make, they're more than welcome to do. So I think that's really important. Language is obviously really important. And I want the ceremony to reflect who they are and their love in the best way possible. And I certainly give it my best effort. People know themselves better than I do. So I always Mm -hmm. make sure they get the last say in what I say. That's, yeah, that's very important to me because you never know certain words either can be triggering or just bring up like just they're just like just don't like it and that's that's certainly fine I, I was trying to remember yeah I can't remember there's one there's one couple that like the only thing they changed was like one word that I used throughout the ceremony and it was a pretty I thought it was a pretty like standard word and most of my mm-hmm. folks don't have any comments on them but they did um, not find it they did not like that yeah they did not like it it was <laughs> I wish I could remember what it was but yeah Anyway. Okay. It'll come to you when you're falling asleep in somewhere between 10 and 2 a.m. Yes. p.m. and 2 a.m. You'll be like, ah, yes. word, yeah. that was it. Remembered it, yeah. If you do remember later, you can message us within the next week and we'll put okay. it in the show notes so then okay. people can check the description and see if the word was ever remembered. <laughs> it's like a fun Easter egg for those who are paying attention. So what are some things that wedding professionals can do to be more inclusive of the trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming communities? Being very intentional about your language is so important. I just, I constantly see folks of every, like, florists, caterers, venues, just refer to the bride and groom, or very often even just the bride. And I'm like, is the bride marrying someone? Are we? (laughs) It's so wild. It's such a, like, microcosm of, like, white white cishet like nonsense (laughs) that it's just to be here and asking pronouns is always good I tell people this all the time and oftentimes I get no one's ever I've never worked with a trans person or no one's ever wanted different pronouns they've never said like I've been doing I've been doing weddings for 50 years and nobody's ever said that they use different pronouns or whatever and I'm like that's probably because you didn't give them the space to feel safe to share that showing diverse imagery as well can be is super important if people don't see people who look like them whether that's like queer couples mixed race couples disabilities differences like body type different it's the wedding culture as a whole tends to really focus on just the bride and no one else and the bride is like a thin white woman and the only only thing that matters and it's really important to to have first imagery inclusive language and i if any other wedding professionals happen to listen to this or coming across this i also offer website and social media audits and oftentimes people are like oh yeah i'm definitely inclusive and then I go through their stuff and find so many examples of where they're either assuming gender or assuming what, say, like the bride's dress. And it's like, what about your brides who aren't wearing dresses, even not in the queer community? And so I I offer that. And also a lot of times, and I, I know from personal experience, a lot of times 
when you've had a website for a long time or something, you could just gloss over. You know what it says to say. You've seen it so many times you can gloss over. So it, it helps. I've really enjoyed working with folks, auditing their stuff who think really want to be inclusive or oftentimes the inclusivity, I feel like stops at gay and lesbian wedding couples, especially in this like more progressive area that we're in. Like I said, most just about everybody that I look at is like, yeah, we serve LGBT couples, but by that they mean cisgender gay and lesbian couples. And I see, yeah, just there's pronouns are really important. Like you want to use people's correct name and pronouns when they're getting married on their wedding day. Like it's so important. And to also just not assume that everybody wants to be called bride and groom, even if it is a cishet couple getting married or that two women getting married don't assume they want to be both called bride. They want, might want to be called something else. It's just really important to ask people what language they want to use for themselves and to do that. And yeah, and it can really make a difference. I just about every trans wedding that I've done, somebody's misgendered somebody even if it's like the floral delivery person dropping off flowers is have a great day ladies congratulations and I'm like these people doesn't identify as a lady and it's just most wedding professionals already have some sort of intake process where they're asking name and wedding date and partner's name and other information and it's just it's usually super easy to just add pronouns in there as well and then and or like titles of do you want to be called bride groom room other so that everybody's respecting everybody this very basic like in injury level stuff that I still argue with people all the time about trying to get them to include it in their business practices but also but yeah also there are people who really want to be doing the right thing and I've enjoyed working with folks who have when I say stuff just believe me when I'm like this is like my experience as a trans person and marrying lots of trans couples in this specific area. And so Mm -hmm. I know that there are trans people in this area getting married, like despite the fact that people are like, oh, I've never married a trans person. I'm like, I probably did. And they just didn't disclose that (laughs) to you. (laughs) But how far do you, are you willing to travel to officiate a ceremony? I'm willing to travel anywhere as long as people are willing to pay, like travel overnight fees. I so far have only done North Carolina weddings just because there are lots of officiants everywhere. A couple inquiries from North Carolina and South Carolina. Sorry, I live in North Carolina. Virginia is the state above me. I had a couple inquiries from Virginia and South Carolina, but then ultimately when I like quoted them a travel fee, they found someone closer who would not have as extensive of a travel fee, which is mm-hmm. understandable. But yeah, I would, I think it would be cool to do a destination wedding some, someday, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Does that mean you have your passport? You're ready to go? No, I wouldn't need to get a passport. <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. That's fun. Did you know that at least American passports, you can get an X now as your gender marker on your yes, passport? Yes, I did. Because I was looking, I was like, I feel like I need a passport. And so I was looking into the process of getting one. And I was like, oh, cool. I knew there were like some states that were slowly rolling out the driver's license X mark thing. North Carolina, I am almost certain is not one of, not one of them. I yeah, um, be but the I was like, oh, adopt that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the last, maybe Texas. Fair, it's <laughs> <But>. fair. <laughs> uh, I would say love, the bottom yeah. 10% of states that's going to adopt that yeah. is going to be North Carolina. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh gosh. Gosh. 
there are indeed queer and trans people in North Carolina. So there are a bunch of us. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Have you ever officiated polyamorous weddings? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so we, I think, touched on that a little bit earlier. You said you're poly, and I have not. I was talking to a couple last year who was going to get do a non-legal like hand fasting ceremony and we were talking about how to possibly include other partners slash metas in the ceremony metamors is like your partner's partner but it was just the those two that were going to get married but then i guess i don't know we had a lot of communication there i some friends of mine are in a triad and they just did a wedding and they're in canada but there was a really cool blog post about them. I'll have to see if I can find that and get there. They probably have permission to share. The photographer posted the blog post and that just seemed like it was a super lovely ceremony. And and I helped just a tiny bit. I sent them the like offbeat bride resources and was like, you should look into some of this stuff while you're like planning your stuff. But I didn't, that was just like as a friend, not, a, not an official capacity. And I actually, it was funny that you asked that question because just yesterday I was at a wedding show and it was an open house and there were vendor vendors tabled there and I was folks were walking around and it appeared to be like a mom and daughter and I was like do y'all have a officiant for your wedding and she was like we're not legally getting married because we're polyamorous and I was like oh let's do it and so she left her email and this has been a hectic day but I am it is near the top of my list to to send her an email because I was like yes please let's do it and I think they were maybe going to get married at that venue and mom was like yes please it would make me so happy they like she was she said they were not planning on having a ceremony because they didn't know anybody who could do it and I was like I'll do it let me do it and I you like uh, resident they that queers was, yeah, reporting like, for duty. I feel, yeah, I feel like the yeah, there's so many, there's so much overlap between the queer and poly communities that I've just learned a lot about it. And I just really want to be open and accepting of doing any ceremonies that that people want that will make them happy. Yeah. And it even it was funny that mom was like, Yeah, I want a polyamorous wedding ceremony. She, it was, it was, I was, I was impressed that mom was there and being supportive of polyamorous weddings. I guess I'm, I'm not sure exactly what they were planning, but maybe more of just a reception style thing and not an actual ceremony just because they didn't know anyone who could do it. So I was like, I, I will do it. And yeah, I, that's, it's probably even less likely that anyone in this state would be willing to officiate something like that. And obviously you can't have a legally bind you can only legally marry one person but you can do whatever sort of ritual ceremony type thing celebration of love that you want otherwise i hope that there are hope that there are some more opportunities for that in the future you can get um, some really complicated estate planning documents figured out that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> And sign sign the medical powers of attorney together instead of a marriage license. Yes. <laughs> sign all the other legal documents. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me, I was like, that reminds me of another. I was like, I think there's, I'm not sure what the exact website is. It's there's like a kink and poly aware professionals or something that I have a listing on. I'll have to, you can make a note to look that up later i don't remember the exact naming or wording but we will get that for you after the show sometime because <laughs> can't remember exactly what that is but i yeah if i put myself on a listing for that but i haven't really gotten much interest but it is at least a resource for folks and that has all sorts of like, it has like doctors and lawyers and just different professionals um 
that are generally inclusive and aware about queer, kinky, poly, all sorts of different types of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us about any unexpected challenges that have popped up in your wedding work and how you've worked through the problems? Yeah, let's see. I feel like my biggest challenge is when, like I mentioned earlier, like the florist's dropping off the flowers and is, congratulations, ladies, and they're not ladies. And I'm like, I don't know, should I correct this person? They're literally walking out the door. Is it worth the conversation? So I guess that's still an ongoing thing. And like the couple didn't correct them. So I was like, I don't know if that's worth like getting into that. It's challenging. I also don't know. Like I usually let, it's clear that I have sorry your message just I'm, I'm not a good multitasker so no, I'm okay <laughs> so you were you were talking about the different unexpected challenges that have oh, yes. popped up and how you've worked through them yeah that I have a hard time like correcting I usually let my couples just just it's clear that my pronouns are they them it's all over the place but some couples just either don't know that or don't know how to do that and so I let them misgender me, which doesn't feel great, but also I haven't really found a great solution to that yet. Generally being self-employed is pretty challenging. I think marketing and advertising has been the biggest hit or miss of trying to figure out where to spend money and where to, and what is giving me return on investment and, or not. And I feel like for the most part, (laughs) the standard options just have not. And so I've just mostly been opting for any sort of free listing or advertising, but yeah, and it, but that's, yeah, I think that's, there's on, ongoing challenges with trying to figure out the best way to just get people uh, to, to find me. <laughs> like, because they, the, I don't know if the polyamorous girl and her mom had looked at all, <laughs> like, for someone or if they just assumed that there was not someone. But yeah, I think that's. I wonder if that's like uh, another situation where. It needs to be featured prominently on your website for it to occur to someone. So just like yes, you had that, the, gay, that the gay and lesbian and trans versus <laughs> yeah. everybody straight. Yes, <laughs> that is. I was actually thinking about that last night as I was falling asleep. <laughs> I was like, I should maybe make a note to feature that more on, on my website. But even, the, I, even then, I still, I still have people all the time ask me if I do. They're like, I'm a mm-hmm. gay slash lesbian couple. Will you marry me? And I, that's everywhere. And I still get people asking me that. It's... Yeah, it's it's tough because it's to fi- figure out the best way to to just get people to to find me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and part of that might be the nature of being in North Carolina in 2022. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it probably. Just is. some people might just assume the resource isn't available at all. <laughs> okay, so the next question I have for you, you haven't seen yet because I wrote it while we've been talking. Oh um, boy, yeah. But it occurred to me as we were chatting. So I'm wondering if you've ever officiated a funeral or other rites of passage besides weddings, any of other ceremonies? I I haven't. I feel like part of why I chose to work in weddings is because I'm generally a sad person and I wanted to do something happy. <laughs> so yeah. not sure funerals would be the best option for me. I've done I've done and I do vow renewals as well, which is this fairly similar to a wedding. I've been wanting to start doing look into doing or advertising trans rituals of some kind, either re-renaming rituals, or I've heard a little bit about some types of things like that, but I feel like I'm not the most aware of how I would do something like that. And maybe, and maybe it would just be very personalized to each individual person because some people, 
Some people change names. Some people don't change names. Some people change pronouns and some people don't. And so I think it would. Gender reveal too, electric (laughs) Yeah, but I've seen, I've definitely seen little articles here and there where people have either done a like burning of dead names or or different ritualistic type things. And I have, that has been on my, I should do, I should try to figure out how to do this, but I feel like that would be even harder to advertise and market. I'm like, how would I even begin to market and advertise that? In addition, I'm like, I feel like after five years, I'm only like just really getting the hang of how to like market the web wedding stuff. And, but I think I would. And I also, my, my brother and sister-in-law had a baby last year. So I'm an uncle. That's my portmanteau for aunt uncle that I Nice found. And that has made me want to do like baby blessings or something like that. I think that might be like fun and helpful. I'm just not sure. I'm also, the other part is I'm not sure how much of a market there is for things like that, because I feel like the vast majority of my couples are not religious or spiritual in any way whatsoever. So I don't know how interested they would be in other types of like rituals or I like them. I think they're cool, but I feel like among the people I know, it's a low priority thing generally. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. We shall see. (laughs) I think in my very limited time of actually doing rituals, I officiated one or two weddings and definitely two funerals because it was necessary and my friends who are non-religious didn't know anyone so it was like wait you need to bury your dad and it's the super bowl in the town that your dad died in and so there's zero flights and we have to drive across half the country to get there you pay for the gas and my time off work and we're gonna go do this thing because you know literally zero spiritual anybodies (laughs) let's do it yeah and it's I've a, definitely it's had a, it's a deep it's a deep I've practice. Had other, I've had other folks say that's why I should get into doing funerals as well, and I'm like, eh, it's just not calling to me. But yeah. we'll see. You never, you really never know. I think if I was in the situation you were in, where it was like we don't know anybody else, but so far nobody's asked me to do a funeral. We'll see. And the, and it was like the queer kids of this like atheist guy with an ex-wife who was Catholic. And so uh-huh. then it was a Catholic-esque funeral because she was the one showing right. up. And they right. had just gotten the divorce finalized three days before he died. It was like oh. such a time. That's anyway, so complicated. Yeah, that's it was just, so it was so complex, that whole thing. I hear how that's I hear how that's very necessary. And yeah. also at the same time, I'm like, I do not want to get involved. That week I was like, I can do my gig economy job for another week. Or I could go do this <laughs> instead. Yeah. No, I thought that sounded more totally interesting. <laughs> yeah. No. And there, we need people to do that, right? It's definitely a need, but I just, I'm more, more comfortable. And I navigate yeah. a lot of like couples who ha- are not religious at all, but parents who are super religious and they're like, is there anything mm-hmm. we could maybe like do that's like kind of subtle that might make them happy? And I have a lot of different ideas about yeah about that and i'm like ultimately you the like you are my clients and i want to make you happy but if part of that is some sort of consideration of parents or grandparents or somebody who might be super religious then we can work to figure out how we might have a non-denominational moment of silence or blessing or something Mm -hmm. thing like that so yeah yeah (laughs) i love that i love that you're focused on joy With everything that's happening in the world, it's nice that there are people in the world who are focused on joy. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely helped. And I saw COVID stuff was really rough for the wedding industry as a whole. Like all my friends were like florists yeah. and caterers and stuff just like just took a huge hit. And I really did better than I had. <laughs> that was like one of my best years. It was the first few months people were like, oh, we'll just wait a couple weeks till this COVID thing is over. And then people just like the whole year of 2020, I think I didn't do a wedding that was like more than 20 people and they were pretty much all outside and everyone was masked and often it was just the couple and two witnesses. And yeah, it was really were. nice because there was a lot less stress and pressure for everyone yeah. involved. Yeah. I feel like some folks thrive on big parties and community gatherings, but a lot of folks feel really nervous and a lot of pressure about standing up in front of everybody. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so it actually ended up being a fairly decent year for me, other than the constant worry I was going to get COVID or give COVID to somebody. Yeah. But so far, knock on wood, I've <laughs> been okay. Yeah. So Our ceremony had nine people, which included somebody's child (laughs) like me and my wife and her two kids is four of the nine people and then witnesses and then the witnesses had a partner or a child and then the officiant and the officiant's spouse was our photographer oh fun (laughs) the officiant got certified on the internet right quick (laughs) to be able to do weddings okay was it it like a friend or someone yeah oh yeah it it was all friends it was all friends in my little witchy circle in a big town nearby but yeah it was so simple and there's like this gluten-free bakery and that the next neighborhood over so we just bought a gluten-free tiramisu and then cut it up and then each little covid pod got their own table that was six feet apart (laughs) from all the other tables so we Uh, had like our little four of us and everybody else had their own little spot and that was it it was just super simple the ceremony was 30 minutes yeah, I the, love the after party was probably another like 20 that. minutes, <laughs> two hours altogether set up and tear down and all of it. So it took more to drive there and back than it did actually do the <laughs> ceremony. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just have three questions left for you. So if there's anyone in the Twitch chat who wants to ask one more question, this is your moment to write it in the chat. If you forgot to do it before now, you've just been vibing with the chatting. This is your chance. So Carly, is there anything that we missed about queer and trans weddings that you'd like to make sure that you say? We have covered a lot. I feel like this has been, I've hit on stuff that I've covered in several different articles and podcasts that I've been asked to give commentary on. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm sure that there is more, like you can never describe all the nuances of every (laughs) queer queer and trans person. But yeah, I think you've just about hit on most of my long-winded talking points that I can go over. <laughs> it might help that I'm also trans and irreverent. <laughs> Come Possibly. up with some extra questions. Good, good vibes. Okay, can you share an experience that you've had with gender euphoria, a time that you were like, yay, I'm really feeling myself today? Yeah, let's see. I think yeah. anytime I'm wearing a suit is really great. I actually, I really love going to my church, just going back to that. I feel like I... And misgendered less often at church than pretty much any other place that I go to, which is just super delightful. I had even some local, I've had issues with local LGBT meetups where it ends up being mostly cis gay and lesbian folks. And then people don't want to use my pronouns. And then I feel weird and excluded from the like group, which is supposed to be inclusive. And so I've had some weird experiences with that though. The local LGBT center 
has a trans clothing closet, which I don't know how long they were open before COVID. They've shut down since COVID, but the I only got to go to that once or twice, but that was super delightful, very gender affirming for me personally, and just great watching everybody else try on stuff and feel gender affirmed and lots of another like good vibes all around type event. Yeah. And just being respected and and dating as terrible as dating generally is being able to find like partners who, who respect me and my gender identity and ask about like preferred language for like compliments and just talking about me and wanting to make sure they're respecting me and stuff is just very good, positive gender vibes. Yeah. I love it. So a few, few things. <laughs> so the last question that I have for you is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues? So if you had an elevator pitch, you have 30 seconds to tell everybody the, the whole of your opinion about this stuff. What's the thing that you feel like is potent and pithy that you want to make sure people heard from you today? Oh my gosh, that's a lot of pressure. That Particularly in terms of weddings, I guess, since that's my main jam, is that part of celebrating the love that people have for one another is also celebrating them as individuals and in, in, in their specific identities as individuals, as a couple, as a community. And that, that looks really different for everyone. And the only way that you can know how to best respect everyone is to ask what they prefer to be called, what they are going to be wearing or doing, if that's relevant usually isn't but sometimes is like that's i'm gonna stop now i'm sure that's been 30 seconds that's a great summary right just don't make assumptions and take an inventory take the time to ask people for that information and then put it in your brain (laughs) yeah it's on the page but not in your brain you don't get half credit yeah you gotta put it in your brain I've heard a lot of wedding folks complain about how hard all the new pronouns are and stuff. And I'm just like, I marry couples all the time who have names that I've never heard the name before in my whole life. And so I have to write it down and practice saying it out loud over and over. And I have to make sure I'm like getting it right. And it's, is it a little bit of work? Yes. But also you have to respect people's names and pronouns like if when you're I guess you don't have to but I feel like you have to and I'm like it's not that much more work to like make the leap of like you if you work in an industry like the wedding industry like you're going to come across people who have different names or cultures or religious beliefs that you're going to have to do some work yeah it's a tiny bit of work but it should be enjoyable work because you're like I really like these people and I want to make sure I get their names and titles and pronouns and everything else right (laughs) yeah it's literally a job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be work. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun for the most part. Everyone. Now it's time for our self-promo moment. So Reverend Carly Miller, they, them, is a non-binary, trans, queer, native of North Carolina. They run their own wedding efficient business, Magical Weddings by Carly, and specialize in ceremonies celebrating LGBTQ plus love as well as nerdy, geeky, offbeat marriage ceremonies, and of course, dogs. So you can go to carlyjanemiller.com for more information. C-A-R-L-Y-J-A-N-E-M-I-L-L-E-R.com. Are there any other websites or offerings that you want to make sure that you include or promote here at the end? 
Yeah, I am on Instagram, also at Magical Weddings by Carly, C-A-R-L-Y. And I'm on TikTok at Magical Weddings by Carly, but I am not super active on there. It's on my to-do list to get more active on there, but so you can check that out if you'd like. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Carly Jane Miller. But I think it should also come up if you search Magical Weddings by Carly. It's just not in the little URL like it is on Instagram and TikTok. And I think that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carly, for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. I don't, I, it's rare I get to talk to a fellow a reverend. Yes. <laughs> a reverend. So it's always yeah. fun. On that. It was super fun. So everyone, next week's guest is going to be Braxton Fleming, who uses he, him pronouns. And we will be discussing Stealth Bros and Co., which is a, it's like HRT container company. So it's like a little kit that you can put your testosterone and your vials and stuff in while you're traveling. It's a very, it's very fun. Braxton has a very cool Instagram. If you want to go check, check it out ahead of time and see all of his cool reels. He's funny. <laughs> he talks about being trans mask. It's great. So Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. Feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays. Check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays and keep an eye on your favorite podcasting platforms for edited audio only versions. As Nefer Kitty says, trans rights are human rights. That's right. <laughs>